You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, as I said on Monday when I began this short sermon series, I'd quoted Beekner and his comment that many of our religious words have become shopworn, so much so that nobody's really that much interested in them anymore. And my hope was that we could reclaim some of the meaning behind these words so that we could once again see their beauty and capture their wonder, not just for ourselves, but importantly, for those who do not know the Lord and yet who are seeking him. And the word today is peace. And I think peace is one of those especially shop-worn God words. It's been so mishandled and mistreated through the years that it's almost not even a God word anymore. We throw it around as we talk about a day at the spa or a walk on the beach, but it is so much more than that. So today, as I finish this series, let us look at the end and consider peace. A reading from Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now our feet are standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is at unity with itself, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, the assembly of Israel to praise the name of the Lord. For there are the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls and quietness within your towers. For my brethren and companions' sake, I pray for your prosperity. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek to do you good. The word of the Lord. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Surely that is a fool's errand. Jerusalem, which means reign of peace or we will see peace, is ironically one of the least peaceful places in all of human history. It has been fought over for millennia because of where it sits geographically, a land bridge connecting continents and a buffer zone for empires. It's also been fought over because of what Jerusalem is spiritually. As Isaiah rightly called it, it is the mountain of the Lord's house. In Judaism, Jerusalem is understood to be the navel of the world. 
and the rock outcropping of Mount Zion that now sits under the Dome of the Rock is called in Judaism the foundation stone, believed to be the first piece of earth on earth, the first dry land to rise when God parted the waters in Genesis. It is the rock over which the Holy of Holies stood, the base of the throne of God on earth. Jerusalem is the place where God met humanity, the holy place, and the nations stream to it and often fight over it, hoping to claim it as their own so that they may encounter God. Or perhaps we fight over it with the idea that if we control the place, we may command God. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Why bother? Well, because in spite of everything, it is the city of God. The axis mundi, the nexus of heaven and earth. And because peace, the peace of the Lord that passes all understanding, will begin in it and go forth from within it. It is still the navel of the world, the place to which Christ will return when he comes again in glory at the final judgment of the living and the dead, when the kingdom of God will be the only kingdom. In other words, peace, the true peace of God, must and will begin in Jerusalem but only at the end of human history and only through the final judgment. And that raises a couple of touchy issues. First, the difficult fact of God's word to us about our prayers for the peace of Jerusalem, and indeed peace in general, is that it will never be fully realized this side of Jesus' second coming. We can, and indeed should, pray and strive for peace among all people. But we must do so with our eyes wide open to the fact that human sin and the machinations of Satan will make true world peace within our history elusive. As history shows... Most human attempts to force peace often end in grinding disappointment or in some form of totalitarian brutality. Praying and working for peace must be done with our eyes open and with humble hearts so that we can guard against being either disgruntled or despotic. The second difficult issue is accepting that God's peace is bound together with Christ's return in glory to judge the quick and the dead. In other words, it is part of the final judgment, the end times, the apocalypse. Now, I know that this is a topic that most of us good, dry, clean Christians prefer to relegate to firebrand radio preachers. 
However, the fact is that Jesus spoke quite a bit about the end times, as did the apostles and the prophets before them. If we believe God's word, we must come to grips with Judgment Day, with the completion of human history, and with the utter destruction of all evil and sin in the world. Now, I know that sounds a little alarmist, if not frankly terrifying. But when it's all said and done, do we really want evil and its minions? Disease, destruction, violence, hunger, chaos, death, oppression, to go on unabated and unjudged forever? I don't. And I am certain that God does not. God's desire for us is his peace, not evil's chaos. That is why peace is bound up with God's final judgment. There can only, will only, be true peace when evil is utterly destroyed and all that is wrong is set to right and when we bend the knee to the one true holy God. Then the peace of the Lord will be fully ours because we will dwell in his direct presence. And the peace of God, it is better than we can even begin to imagine. We do have glimpses of it now, and it's found in part in the Hebrew word for peace, shalom. Shalom is not simply the absence of strife and conflict or the cessation of war. God's shalom holds within it wholeness, completeness, well-being, and healing. It is the shalom that Christ gave us on the cross. His life to free us from death. His blood to forgive our sins and restore us to right relationship with God, with one another, with all of creation. It is the blood and water from his pierced side raining on our dry spirits, giving us the transfusion that we need to truly live. The peace of Christ, wholeness, forgiveness, healing, Shalom. Because of Christ's self-giving love on the cross, that peace is already ours. Although we don't experience it fully, this side of his return in glory. But by his grace, we do have moments of that peace and wholeness in this life. But it will really only be fully realized when he returns. 
Then that shalom that John witnessed in his prophetic vision recorded in Revelation will be fully ours. As God's peace flows like a river from the new Jerusalem, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And on either side of the river is the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem, because it is ultimately the prayer that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead, to complete our fractured human history, and to usher in the full shalom of the Lord, the true peace of life with Jesus hid in God. And so we cry, Come, Lord Jesus, come and judge the world, come destroy all evil, come and enfold us in your shalom. That's peace. And as I end my time here with you all, I want to pull it all together with the reading from Monday and pray that I may be a conduit of God's blessing this day. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.